Hello everyone and welcome back to The War Room, which is our interview series as part of the Clone Star Pod. I am your host, Sean Ferrick, and joining me is uh, the man of the moment, uh, one of the most uh, popular people uh, to get for an interview at the moment because of reasons we will get into, the Associate Art Director of Star Trek Online, working with Cryptic Studios, the lovely Thomas Moroni. How are you getting on? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. It's excited to be here. Excited to shoot the ship with you. Absolutely. Oh, nice. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm 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 so excited to chat to you. Uh, because it's not often I get to talk to, you know, someone who's fucking built one of the ships I'm gonna enjoy in the next season of one of my Star Trek ships. That's Star Trek ships, Star Trek series. Ships are on the brain, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's, um, it's been, you know, it's been, uh, crazy. I mean, I, I grew up watching Star Trek with my mom and, and, uh, you know, I, I drew a lot of ships in the margins of my notes when I should have been paying attention in class, you know, so it's been kind of, uh, in the blood for me, um, since I was very young, uh, you know, the Enterprise, uh, D, you know, I grew up watching Next Gen, um, that just left this like huge impression on me when I saw it for the first time. And I've never been able to shake that. And so to, to kind of parlay that into a, um, you know, a hobby and then a career um, and then turn that into actually getting, you know, a model that I built on onto, you know, to be canonized uh, with the enterprise F and in season three of Star Trek Picard, uh, that's uh, it's been a dream come true. It's really, really something that is that is amazing and obviously i'm going to go into a whole lot of questions on how that process took place but um the the enterprise f uh has been around in some form or other for a while now i remember seeing the design a couple of years back and going absolutely yep i'm totally on board i can see the progression of how we go from galaxy to sovereign to uh we have verity and we also have odyssey um mm-hmm. so that's something i'll talk to you about as well um mm-hmm. But before we get to any of that, um, what was your favorite ship to draw as a kid? Um, it was, you know, I, I drew I drew the original Enterprise a lot because uh, so next gen first run syndication where I grew up was like on at ten or ten thirty at night, so I didn't really, you know, if I wanted to watch, I had to tape it right. That was that was past my bedtime. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, the original series was also running in syndication, but that was on at like four in the afternoon on Sundays or something, so I could watch that. Uh, and I, I I did. I had a lot of fun watching that. And so I draw, you know, I draw the original Enterprise. I draw the the, the movie uh, refit Enterprise. Um, because I'd watch those movies a lot. Um, you know, I'd, it's definitely my mom felt like she created a monster, I think, because she she got me into Star Trek, but, you know, I I leaned into it way more than she did. <laughs> I I loved how um, a lot of times on this pod, there, there's so much, like, naming and shaming of parents. It's, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, you know, my mom or my dad got me into it, and somewhere they're just going, don't blame me. Life, you know? <laughs> right. You're the one who ran with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now I do have a big, massive confession that I do need to say at the very outset of this, but I've never watched Star Trek. No, uh, but <laughs> what I've actually, I have never played Star Trek online. And that is something I have taken flat for, and rightly so. I need, I need to fix that. Um, there's, in fact, there's a good friend of mine, uh, Adam Martin, who I know is screaming at this podcast now, saying, I told you to play it. Uh, so I will probably have what are like really basic questions about okay. Star Trek Online and your inv- your involvement in Star Trek Online as well. But from drawing 
uh, Matt Jeffrey's ship on the margins of your paper to becoming a designer mm-hmm. on one of the largest online games there is. You know, what is that process? Oh, uh, um, I mean, uh, you know, uh, it's something it's been it's been really interesting going on this journey because you you really learn it's it's 100 percent hard work and it's 100 percent luck like you can't you can't be successful without either. And it, I mean, it, it's it's a shame that there are a lot of really skilled people out there who have put in the hard work, but just haven't gotten lucky yet, you know, and, and to those people, I'd remind them that. You know, George R. R. Martin, the, the Game of Thrones didn't become a TV series until he was what in his like early 60s, late 50s. Like, so you know, it can still happen. Um, uh, you just got to keep putting in the work and you got to keep keep making the things that you want to make. But um, uh, I say all that because uh, um, my sort of very first foray into this was making Elcar's graphics on my computer. Right, <laughs> like I, I wanted to use like Corel Draw, I think. Um, uh, back in high school, and I just I just wanted to kind of recreate what I saw on those those Elcar's interfaces. They were so bold and distinctive, and and uh, um, I'm going somewhere with this because, uh, but but Elcar's is really interesting. It's the only um, one of the only, maybe the only sort of uh, set element that has become so ingrained with the brand that you see it and you're like, oh, that's Star Trek, right? Like that's yes. that that computer interface is Star Trek, and. Um, like Star Wars doesn't really have that, you know, they have sort of generic, like 80s vector, um, very primitive graphics, but you can, you can take that out of the context of Star Wars, and you wouldn't immediately be able to assign that. So I think that's something very special and unique to Star Trek. And so that definitely caught my imagination too, when I was younger. Um, and so I, I started doing that. And then eventually this, um, this game came out, um, uh, I think it was in 98, um, have to check that but uh it, it called homeworld um it was a pc game uh it was a strategy game but what was unique about it is that it was all in 3d so it was a, a space a strategy game where you build fleets of spaceships but unlike every other rts at the time um instead of having like a top-down isometric view where you 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 know just sort of right click on the ground and they move it was in space and it was in full 3d so your ships could go you know you had to think three-dimensionally right like like uh, Kirk, and so your ships could go not only left, right, front, back, but they could also go up and down. And they could like there were asteroid fields, you can go up and like come down and attack from above. And and ships had armor on different sides, so it was a really uh, phenomenal game. And and you could do it. I could do a whole hour about why Homeworld is one of the greatest PC games ever made. But but um the uh, ultimately um because it was so unique. And because it was it was all about starships fighting starships, it uh, this huge mod community sprung up of people who wanted to like, oh, well, I got to make a Babylon 5 version of this, or I got to make a Star Wars version of this, and of course, I got to make a Star Trek version of this. So I got hooked up with some people who uh, took uh, Homeworld and turned it into a game about the Dominion War of DS9. So we replaced all the ships. Um, you know, there are two sides in Homeworld, so we made the Dominion side, so the the Breen, Jemadar, Cardassians. We made the Alliance side with the Federation, Romulans, Klingons, replaced all the ships. We even replaced the user interface, all the buttons, the icons, all that stuff. Um, and so doing that in high school, I learned a lot about computer graphics. I, I did some primitive modeling and texturing. Um, and that really set me up for a success in college where I got a degree in graphic design. And then I, um, uh, I went on to be a web designer 
uh, for my, you know, my first career job. And then uh, while I was working um, uh, in my first job, uh, Star Trek Online was announced that they were going to finally release it. Uh, Cryptic Studios was making the MMO. Uh, they had gotten it from Perpetual and they were going to uh actually it was actually going to come out it had been kind of vaporware for a long time but but cryptic had a proven track record with city of heroes that they could build and then release an mmo uh champions online was coming soon and star trek online was coming right after and so i i immediately signed up for the beta and uh closed beta and i started playing and uh, i was you know i thought um i thought it was cool but uh i noticed there was a lot of like running around scanning things um, and, uh, I wanted that process to be more interactive. And I remembered from elite force Two, another great star Trek game, uh, that there was like a little mini game where you could, uh, uh, you had your tricorder, you scanned something in the tricorder, and then there were these two sine waves that you could match. Um, and then when you match the sine waves, then you got your scan or whatever. And so I, I made a mock-up of that. <clears throat> and, uh, essentially the developers saw it, they liked it. They bought that art for me so they could include it in Star Trek Online. And that's sort of how I got my foot in the door. Um, and then, um, you know, I eventually got hired on as a web designer and then it, and then transitioned to UI artist. And then um, so I did UI art on the game for about four years where I was making buttons, icons, things like that. And then uh, I kind of got um that's a that can be a grueling job you know making icon after icon after icon for for years on end and so i kind of got a little burned out on that and i said you know my first love has always been starships in star trek that's the thing that i like i said i spent you know all that time drawing them i i know all about them i was always jealous of the ship artists who actually got to build the 3d models of the ships and um <clears throat> and so i uh so I went into my boss and I was like, "Hey boss, I want to change. I want to change, you know, teams basically." Uh, but I didn't know how to be a, how to do 3D art. You know, I had done a little bit a long time ago, but uh, my skills were really rusty. So he's like, "All right, well, uh, you've got two weeks. So learn how to 3D model, and in two weeks we'll uh, let you take the the ship test to be a ship artist." <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about standard, and, yeah. For like, oh, you want to do something for Jay Grant? Yeah, can you have it in an hour? Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, and uh, so I did it, and uh, and it was what I came up with was like passable. It was not good, um, but it was it was good enough that they figured that I could learn to actually do it. Um, and they were, you know, I was very, this is where luck comes in, right? Where I got lucky that they were willing, I mean, luck happened several, several times along this journey and it's still going to happen seven times as we talk more about the process of actually going from Star Trek Online to Picard. But, but in terms of, um, being lucky, uh, you know, I put in the, they put in the work to at least get to the point where they felt like I could do it, but I was also lucky that they were willing to give me that chance they didn't have to right they could just said no sorry that's not you're not you know you're a 2d artist this is okay but we can hire someone off the street who's a lot better um but they were willing to work with me on it and develop me and and uh and uh yeah and so then i transitioned to ships and i became ship lead and then now i'm an associate art director so what i do now is um i'm essentially the number two artist on the team so my boss is the art director and then and then there's me and uh, I'm kind of like the vice president of art, I guess, for Star Trek Online is the easiest way to say it. Um, so I help him oversee the art team. I still have my hands in all the ships uh, in the game. I oversee our outsourcers. Um, you know, I do a lot of uh, a lot of intake and polish. I even do a little bit hands on stuff. But but yeah, so that that that's the I tried to speed through it as much as I could. But it was a very, a very long road getting from there to here, as they say. 
Nice, nice. Ten <laughs> points for that reference. We love it. Um, as I was going through, you have uh, one of your sites, one of your portfolios is online. Of course, the Enterprise F is sitting there, pride of place. Uh, and I see as well uh, a, a lot of, I would say, familiar designs that turned up in on screen in the various series. And it reminds me, of course, that there's so much that goes into it. That's not simply the initial design of the ship. I'm thinking uh, the uh, Enterprise era Bird of Prey, for example. Um, so I know for some of the shows, uh, 3D models would have been built and therefore it might be quite uh, an easier process if you'd like to bring it in to Star Trek Online. But what about some of the other ships that might not have had 3D renders already? You know, how difficult is that process of bringing a ship you saw on screen to life in the game? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it definitely varies. And even, even if we are lucky to get, you know... Um if we're lucky enough to get the actual show used model, which we have gotten for some of the newer shows, um, we still have to rebuild it from scratch. The model, the model that they give us is much too high detailed to be in a real time game engine like Star Trek online. Um, and so we'll, we'll essentially trace it, I guess is the best way to put it. We'll, we'll recreate the geometry in 3d using the, the Canon one as, you know, a guide, but it's ours has to be by nature of 3d rendering and, and, uh, um, real-time rendering of um, what a what a game engine can process um, you know that's a that's a whole other topic in terms of you know technical the difference between like rendering something for television versus what your game engine has to do your pc your playstation has to do um, to to have a game elements on screen but but essentially our our models have to be a lot lower detail than than what they use on the screen and so we rebuild the model but you know it is it is difficult when you're you're essentially an archaeologist when you're um building a like a more obscure model like the um we call it the Talis. I don't know if it actually has a canon Romulan name but um the Enterprise Bird of Prey um thankfully there was a lot of uh you know, there are a lot of bones on the internet about that ship. You know, there are a lot of renders from the original model from sites like, you know, Doug Drexler's old blog, um, Eagle Moss, you know, all that stuff. That was pretty easy to find. But you get into something more obscure, like the the Bozeman model from TNG's Cause and Effect. Yes. And that is, you know, you're pretty much, you're like looking frame by frame at screenshots. You're you're trying to find like old issues of like Star Trek the magazine or Star Trek fact files that might have pictures you've never seen before. You know you're really um, you know every artist who's worked on worked on STO has done this um, over and over again in terms of trying to excavate you know that perfect piece of reference that gives you the angle that you need to be you know because we want to be accurate uh, as much as we can and and there are lots of constraints um, beyond beyond the, the sheer detail level, but also, you know, how we build things, um, uh, the the techniques we use that kind of uh, force our hands one way or the other. But, but you know, you're you're just constantly trying to look for the best reference you can get. And and sometimes that's, you know, from, from the actual show or there could be behind the scenes images. And, you know, it's interesting. You also have to use your judgment as an artist because um, many times they, they intentionally built something very different uh, IRL, you know, in person, mm -hmm. it looks very different and you're just looking at it with your eyeballs. But then when you see it on screen, like the a great example of this is the Jemadar fighter from Deep Space Nine. So if you look at the actual filming model, um, you know, before they switched over to CG, 
uh it's very purple like it's very like has a lot of like saturated it's it's got like or or you know very like deep maroon uh got some blues and purples uh very colorful and then you actually look at what it is on screen um and it's you know it's pretty much feels like kind of a cool gray color and what happened is they um they'd actually build and paint those models to be a lot more colorful and saturated sometimes because it was easier for them to key that out of a like a green screen um because the colors were much more intense and they could say oh select you know select this color range and then and that would you know do the the chroma key essentially cut out the model from the background because you know if you remember all that stuff is used to be composited right you'd have a a model on a blue screen and then you'd actually have to like cut that out um and they would use it was done like low quality digitally i think at that point with like vhs tapes and stuff but anyway uh and then they composite it onto a different background but having that model be very saturated made that process easier and then they could just essentially do like um a, a desaturate it in that during that process to get the color they actually wanted right so we we had a i i actually had a situation where i was making a material for the Gemidar fighter and i found that reference I'm like oh wow i didn't realize it looked like that and then you know i'm just like i'm gonna make it you know look like that in an sto and then i got so many complaints from people like why is it so purple why is it so bright i'm like well that's what it looks like and it's not like no it's not actually what it looks like you have to ultimately the arbiter is what you see on screen in the final shot it's not what these reference photos say so um yeah so there's a lot of a lot of back and forth a lot of comparisons archaeology really is the best metaphor i think that's actually a, a it's a fantastic word to use. I I hadn't considered that before, um, and because I'm not entirely sure. So what the relationship between uh, STO Cryptic Studios and uh, Cryptic Studios, excuse me, and CBS was there ever a, a chance of having access to the physical models as they existed? Now I know they are spread throughout the world. I I, I know that it's not like a big warehouse of ah today we will look at the Soyuz <laughs> class. But, you know, how, was there ever um, a chance to go to a physical filming model and bring a digital camera? Not really. I mean, not, you know, I mean, the so Star Trek Online um, launched in 2010. So we're actually coming up on the game's 13th anniversary soon. Um, and I've been with the game uh, in this month. It'll be 12 years that I've been on the game. But um, so uh, I said that to say that, you know, it, we started about five years, I think, after Enterprise um and there were no star trek shows running um pretty much until well until discovery right we had the 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 calvin movies kind of sprinkled in there early on but um but essentially no no new star trek production has been using physical models since discovery started right they i don't think i know the orville which is not an actual star trek show but i'm just and the orville and the mandalorian a couple science fiction shows have used miniatures um here and there but i don't think any star trek show has um there uh they did make some miniatures for picard season one for the quantum library um like picard goes to to uh, there's like a stargazer and enterprise e um so uh so our best opportunity to see stuff like that is when they go on tour and they're like the the um you know the star trek mission conventions and stuff sometimes they'll package all those models up or those costumes and we'll we'll be able to kind of see it with the rest of the world but we um we don't necessarily get the there's like you said there's not really a museum a star trek museum we can go to that we can look at that stuff i will say um uh, as you know, which I'm sure we'll get to, but as a result of the partnership with Picard, I did get to go down and see the uh, 
uh, Stargazer sets, um, uh, which was pretty incredible. Um, I got to excuse me. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, um, but uh, that was that was wild. So I did get to do that. That's probably one of my top memories of working on STO was was walking around the Stargate set, seeing the bridge of the Stargazer all lit up. And I have to thank Dave Blast, the production designer on Picard, for giving me that opportunity. But that's sort of the closest I've ever gotten to like looking at something that was like in active use by a production. That is that is fantastic. Um, I yet no Dave is Dave is a gentleman. Uh, we had him on the podcast before, and his excitement is just palpable when it comes to both being a Trek fan and also mm-hmm. being in production as well. So, you're I mean, there's there's so many parts to Star Trek Online, but of course I do have to. So, you're working, you know, X amount of years online, and then suddenly, you know, do you turn a corner and there's Dave Blast going, "Hey, do you want to work on our show?" You know, how does this come to be? Because, you know, the pilot of uh, season two of Picard, um, I think, you know, probably everywhere, everyone in the world heard the noises that came out of me as the ships (laughs) arrived alongside the Stargazer, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So how did that relationship begin and then progress to the fact of, yep, we're going to start using Star Trek Online designs in Star Trek Picard? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I mentioned earlier about being lucky, and that was definitely, you know, I think one of the 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 luckiest moments of my life. And 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 what happened? I mean, I've asked Dave about this because I was curious too, because uh, he reached out to me. Um, he reached out to me on on Twitter, um, and um, we started talking. And you know, he didn't. Uh, it took a few messages before he said it. Like, I was like, "Who is this guy?" And I saw that he was like a Hollywood professional, but then he was like, I'm doing season two of Star Trek Picard. And, um, and, uh, you know, he, he, he told me much later that, um, he had been, uh, you know, he, he, as a reaction to the end of season one, and this is also, I guess, in a weird way, the, the kind of fan reaction against the, um, the inquiry, which I think the inquiry is a cool design, but, you know, a lot of people were upset that, um, you saw a fleet of star starfleet ships yeah. and they all were the same model right and that was you know behind the scenes that was essential i think they had like a week or two weeks or something to build that model it was incredibly rushed um they you know it was one of those scenarios where it's like will are we going to do this or are we not going to do it okay we're doing it you know now we have to actually do it and like oh you know this is the the scope was much more limited i think than they originally intended um but I, I get the uh, get the the frustration from fans because you're you're watching you know you're watching Star Trek you're watching uh, this whole era of Star Trek end with Endgame on Voyager, um, and then you you know you go watch Insurrection and Nemesis, um, and then and that's sort of the end of the 24th century mm-hmm. for a very long time, and a lot of people who grew up with that era of Star Trek like we want to know what's next right like and then. When they announce a new Star Trek show, it's oh, it's a prequel of the original series. But so okay, that's that's cool. But I want to know what about my favorites? You know, what about the Star Trek I grew up watching? Like, what happens to them, and what happens to that era? And and so there's a lot of um, not you know, there's a lot of anticip- anticipation and curiosity about what the Starfleet was like and what the ships were like and all that stuff. And and um, I, I think when they set out to make Picard, that wasn't initially their intent to address that stuff but they kind of stumbled into having to mm-hmm. by necessity right 
because they wanted to do sort of a a Millennium Falcon, you know, ed edge of the galaxy, you know, the in the mar life in the margins, right, version of the Star Trek universe. Um, and but that left a lot of people who wanted to see what new Starfleet ships were like. That left them kind of wanting. Um, and so, so when Dave came in to be production designer in season two, and he saw in the script like, oh, there's going to need to be another Federation Starfleet uh, in in the script a bunch of starfleet ships he knew he didn't want to do the inquiry again he, he knew that you know that the fan backlash was so loud <laughs> that um that uh they wanted to do something different they wanted to have an actual fleet of starships and, and you know and the reality of that is it's actually very expensive to build you know dozens of starships with several new designs i think i you know north of a hundred thousand dollars a ship is what i i think he quoted me one time like it's uh oh wow yeah to make a film quality you know model and you and that includes the process like from you know you, you're designing it in the art department you're iterating it with your producers and your and then your individual artists i mean so a lot of people um i'm going to go on several tangents here um but hopefully it's interesting so uh, a lot of people i think don't really understand the distinction uh, i didn't until i started working picard really um that there is a there is an art department and then there is the effects department, and those are two separate entities. And so the art department are the people who actually make the concept art and design the ships. But then they hand those designs, those drawings or rough 3D models over to the effects department who rebuild all of that to the actual spec that you see to the actual final asset that is in the show. Because it's a very specific skill set to build something that can be rendered for for TV. And so that's your, you see, you have your you know, art department, your effects house, and those are two separate things. So anyway, how, you know, how I got on that tangent was essentially like, um, Dave had a, his art department was busy doing stuff. And he also, as a, as a very diehard Star Trek fan, he knew that, you know, there were certain expectations and there's certain like Star Trek ship design is a language. And if you're, if you're trying to teach someone that language, it's actually very difficult to get somebody who understands is all the nuance of like what makes a Federation starship or what makes a Klingon starship that, that fits into that continuity that, you know, uh, that we, that was established by people like uh, John Eves and Rick Sternbach and uh, et cetera, et cetera, Doug Drexler. And so, uh, you know, he had John Eves on his team. John Eves worked on Picard season two, mm -hmm. I think season three uh, as well. Um, and but he needed other people he tried working with a couple concept artists who were not familiar with star trek and the stuff they made just didn't fit it didn't really fit the language of the universe and so he was looking uh i think kind of in frustration he started looking around on the internet for at uh, star trek ship designs and he kept seeing sto ships like and it's true if you just google star trek ship and you don't have to say star trek online but if you google star trek ship like at least you know several of the results will just be ships from sto which I'm, that's a point of pride for me. <laughs> um, but he so, kept yeah. seeing the ships and he's like, oh, that's cool. Where's that from? Star Trek Online. That's cool. Where's that from? Star Trek Online. And um, and so he, you know, after seeing several of those, he's like, oh, I guess those guys know what they're doing. They're, they've, and it's true because we've been doing it for 10 years, right? Um, so he uh, he was motivated to reach out to, to me. And uh, we also brought in Hector Ortiz, our senior concept artist, and we had a couple projects with him. We had the, you know, providing the existing ships for the background fleet um, 
And uh, and I have also credit Brian Tatoski, the uh, VFX supervisor in Picard season two and three, because Brian, um, you know, he was open minded about it. He he's the one who so Dave heads up the art department and then Brian heads up the VFX department. Right. And so Brian could have just said, no, like those are video game ships. We're not going to use them. But he actually like uh, had an open mind and he opened the models and like, oh, hey, you know, we could actually make these work. And so Brian's a really big part of of the, how this happened. Um, and you actually would probably have a great interview with him too, if you wanted to talk to him about what it takes to build these shots for, uh, uh, you know, uh, for Star Trek. So, so yeah, I, I know the, all these answers are very long winded, but, but essentially, um, yeah, it's just, uh, Dave saw that STO had all these ships. And so he, he brought Hector and I in and we kind of actually helped, um, iterate on the stargazer itself a little bit. And then we also, you know, selected some models from existing from STO to be in the game to be in the show. Um, it's it, it's fun to me now that you're saying obviously some of these answers can be long winded, but it's so fascinating to us what goes in to putting together this show. Now, we've spoken to people who work in, you know, say costume department who work people who obviously acted on it and everyone brings their own story, their own game to it. But no one second of Star Trek is an island where one person did this well i'm sure now i'm sure there'll be an example of one where i've said that but you know it's <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's no, it's I... absolutely bloody fascinating um and like how i mean did you know when it came to say selecting the ships for that scene uh mm -hmm. so we had the oh i have i have a terrible another terrible confession to make it's, <laughs> it's and 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 uh right so i do the weekly show we do the ups and downs and in it we do the easter eggs right and there i was mm -hmm. delighted with myself i was going naming all of the classes of ship and mm -hmm. of course didn't i say it was great to see the andromeda class mm. and I, I i i was uh, uh the, the the internet politely let me know that it was not <laughs> the andromeda class at all it was in fact the ross class uh -huh, so yeah. i i must confess that uh, i do apologize <laughs> That's all right. yeah um so you know we it was uh it was a two uh, the decision was made along two axes so the first one was um is the model good enough right because sdo is a 10 year old game and not all of our ships are up to snuff frankly you know they they were made 10 years ago their older models or older designs um so we had a so that kind of narrowed the field quite a bit in terms of like okay it has to be a recent model that has enough detail that you can you that they'll they'll want to use it and then the second uh thing was obviously okay does this is this a futuristic 25th century or late 24th century design and thirdly you know is it something that the players generally like and it will be able to recognize so um, so I put together basically a sheet of here are some ships that I think you guys might be interested in. Uh, and it just, you know, it just had like a little render of each ship and and then the name and and then um and then from there, you know, Dave got back to me and said, Oh, we're gonna use these eight ships. So can you package those up and send send them to us? Um so the Ross is uh, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the Ross because that's a fun, there's a fun little history. That's actually was inspired by a Star Trek Adventures tabletop uh, oh, yes. campaign called Clear Skies. It's a group called the Stream Punks, and they, you know, they do an actual play, uh, a TTRPG shows. Um, and uh, and I, you know, they needed a, a ship for the new show, and I needed to do a new Galaxy variant for Star Trek Online. It's another thing where you know it was very serendipitous, and so, um, so we worked together on uh, on kind of they described like what they wanted the Ross to be. And then I went away and designed it as kind of a late um, 24th century galaxy, you know, uh, 
uh, variant and uh, and that fit the era of Picard perfectly. And so I definitely that was a very easy, uh, easy choice to to make. And then I was I was excited to see so many of them <laughs> show up in the in the thing. You know, you never know when you send this off, like, oh, is it going to be tiny? You know, is it going to be one or whatever? But, uh, you know, in terms of the Ross and the Sutherland, they actually showed up quite a bit and they, they showed up quite big. Like, it's very easy to tell that's what they are and you can see some details and stuff. So that was really cool. Because that's one thing as well we actually spoke to Dave about is how and uh, that nothing is placed accidentally these days because everything is in 4K or high render. And you'll have people like me who'll be zooming in going like, oh, hang on, no, right, how many windows are on that shit? You know, you will have this. So I totally understand what you're saying. Like, the, the model has to be pristine. It has to be basically a hero model. Um, yeah. And um, I wanted to ask as well about bringing, because first episode, is the first one to bring the Luna class into live action for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to, to, to my, to my scene, I remember looking through the fleet going, this is great. This is great. Is that the Titan? Oh my <laughs> God, is that the Titan? And it's just <laughs> exciting. These little, these little things as well. Mm-hmm. I presume of course, the Luna has been in STO for a while now. Is that right? Yeah, it's actually, it was one of our launch era ships. Uh, you know, one of the, you know, when the game came out, the Luna was one of the kind of top tier science vessels that you could get. And um, and then we actually recently uh, remastered. So when it showed up in Lower Decks, we remastered our Canon Luna model, and then we made a 25th century version that we, that we called the Titan class, um, as well. That's like a new design inspired by the Luna, but also has the STO visual style applied to it. And so the um, uh, you know that model is funny because like that model not just we didn't just give them our models of our original sto created designs we actually gave them canon models too and so the the luna i would think it's the luna sovereign and akira models are mm. models from star trek online that they were able to use and that that's 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 like uh, oh and the inquiry they actually used our version of the inquiry instead oh, of the kidding. inquiry model from <laughs> season one yeah i don't know if they just couldn't find it anymore if like <laughs> they were working with different vendors and so nobody had access to it or if they they just knew that we because we actually you know you mentioned every model has to be a hero model now obviously like i said our models aren't you know don't hold up to snuff to like actual hero models for for tv and film but one of the things we we do have to do when we model a ship for sto is uh if it is you know lacking in certain details people expect there sometimes we add them even if they're not canon because um this people can look at our models from any angle like when you're playing star trek online you can spin the ship around and see it from angles that you didn't see on the screen right so i mean sometimes if you know if they're under the gun like sometimes they overbuild models, but sometimes they, you know, depending on the, the time frame they have, they will build it exactly to accommodate certain shots. It's like, well, we know that it's going to be from the top down three quarters or whatever. So we're just going to build the top and then the bottom is just sort of plain, you know, it's there's no paneling or decals or anything. Right. So. Um, uh, but with SDO, we can't get away with that because everybody can see every angle of the ship they want to um and uh and so we have to you know we have to make sure all that detail is there we sort of have to treat every ship as a hero ship in the sense of this is if you're getting a ship in sto like star trek online is your star trek adventure right and we want that to be you know this is the hero ship for you even if it's not the hero ship for like you know the you know even if the saber class never anchors a star trek series if you really like the saber class and we want to make sure that that saber class model 
looks the best that it can so that you really get lost in that and you feel like you know you're it has the detail that you would expect for a hero ship because that is it is your hero ship that's it like and you know it's and i'm sure there's people out there who love the jaeger class unironically as well <laughs> yeah um, we don't have that one in the game yet i've been i've been holding out on that one <laughs> <laughs> that'll be like the special oh for the anniversary next uh, coming up there you go that, that can be like the special prize oh my um, God. a booby oh. prize <laughs> oh, yeah, it took me a long time it looked that, that background shot of it in deep space nine it took me a long time to realize he's that a uh, mackie raider well, anyway yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then eagle moss comes out with the model of it um mm -hmm. eagle moss has the relationship there i'm sure um must have been i suppose definitely symbiotic in that they're bringing models from sto into real life i have there's a few of them dotted throughout the room mm -hmm. and um and then like I presume that you're involved in building their CG models that you would show in the magazines as well. Um, so again, so was this Ben approached uh, yourselves, or did you approach him and be like, "Why haven't you made our models yet?" <laughs> um, I think uh, I think Ben did end up approaching us, and and you know, and it, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, uh, "Hey, can you send us your ships?" Uh, and it was like uh sure why and like oh we want to do model i'm like oh okay uh yeah that sounds great <laughs> and and so we did a run of 20 um uh i actually did uh i wrote all the issues for for the sto ships so oh, ben you know uh ben and i'm not sure if he hires other people or if he just writes all the copy for like the canon ships but uh, and he's also sitting on like over a decade's worth of Star Trek fact files articles yes. that I think he pulls from too. Um, but but for SEO, none of that stuff existed, right? That's all original designs. Um, uh, all the like, I was the only person who could write that stuff because you know Ben doesn't work at Cryptic. He wasn't there when we designed the Enterprise F, right? He doesn't know what happened, but I do. Um, and so um, so I worked with them and uh, and I wrote the copy for. Uh, all I guess technically it's 21 issues, including the original Enterprise F issue, mm. um, and that was uh, you know it's a ton of work, and it ended up being like you know um, it's like 400 pages because it's 20 20 pages an issue, um, and uh, I'm, I'm proud of that. You know they, the the line itself I think wasn't quite as successful as they were hoping it it was going to be, but um, but ultimately you know the models look great, people the people that did buy them love them and uh and you know i'm very proud of all that work that went into it and uh i love i mean one of the things i love uh, as much as doing the actual art is uh i love writing all the lore that goes into it, the in-universe lore you know and um i'm a big fan of of world building and, and military sci-fi and stuff so i like I like taking that lens and turning it to to Star Trek and thinking about okay like because you know ships look cool but it in in the real world um, you know if they make a new class of aircraft carrier or destroyer or submarine they they did that because there's something that their existing submarines can't do right so it's like I mean it's it's old so it doesn't have modern computer systems or power systems or you know magnetic catapults or whatever so they have to build a new boat that does things this previous one can't do so there's so many different starfleet ship designs and you know what about each one of those uh gives it a right to exist essentially why you know the, the answering the question why and so doing that for for sto ship designs was a ton of fun 
Um, for sure, I actually have a I've got the Moog class there, and one of the I've got the uh, I, I I kind of I collected as many as I could before my bank balance went. Now, Sean, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I did, however, get the uh, I'm not going to move on to the Enterprise just yet. Obviously, I will in a second. I did get both versions, the the refit and the original. Uh, but there's what I wanted to ask about, which was that lovely and bonkers looking Cardassian ship. Uh, that one was cool. Uh, uh, unfortunately, yeah. I didn't get that before I uh, went into administration. I like I, li- I like that ship a lot. I think it was at the Demar. Um, that sounds familiar. Actually, I'm uh, sitting. But I, the yeah, the, the yeah, the, so the Cardassian ship was designed by Mauricio Taurina. He's one of our ship artists, and he he can he's a great 3D modeler, but he also uh, is a great concept artist. And you know, so he actually did that for our victory is life update so that was our big ds9 update that we did a, a couple of years ago now i guess god four years ago <laughs> it's it's 20 it's just gonna be 2020 for the rest of my life i think yeah. <laughs> that, that's that, that's how it works yeah life yeah. closed that year yeah right yeah um, uh but um but you know that's a fun we actually did four cardassian ships for that update and um and that was that was really interesting uh doing the range so we, we've only seen well, I mean, so DS9 is a Cardassian design, and then you have the Hideki frigate um, and the uh, Galor, the Keldon, and then I guess the Grimal freighter. I think that's all the canon Cardassian designs. There might be one that I'm missing, but oh, and the star, there's a Cardassian shipyard that you see that I think was only oh, CG yeah. um, in, in the later season of DS9. So, um, you know, so Cardassians have an interesting visual style and, and adding to that uh, was was a lot of fun, like making it blocky and industrial, but also, um, uh, you know, you, you still also want it to feel uh, aggressive and cool, you know, and the, the bend on those ships was they were in. So in Star Trek Online, we have this concept called intelligence ships that are, you know, designed to be like spy ships. Essentially, they can cloak and. Very, it was actually a lot like what they did with the uh, Section Thirty One ships in Discovery. So, uh, where it's you know a very like stealth bomber kind of starship, and so we had a stealth bomber Federation designs, but then we also did the same for Romulans and Klingons, and then that Damar was one of the Cardassian uh, stealth ships that we ended up doing. So you can in the game you can have the normal Cardassian brown paint pattern, or you can do something that's like uh, black, like kind of like a very stealth fighter kind of finish for the model i think we ended up i don't remember i think we did the black uh design uh, uh, from what i can remember yes it was yeah, yeah. um but uh but yeah it's it's fun it's always great you know when you're um uh when you're doing this stuff uh one i mean one of the fun things is that archaeology that i talked about even when you're making an original design you still really need to study the masters you know what i mean like you have to go like so in the renaissance when when somebody wanted to be the next um the next big deal you know they would spend years of their lives just copying uh previous painters like not doing anything new but just like i'm gonna you know i'm gonna replicate exactly how they did this shading and this color and everything and and recreating their paintings and that was that was just how you, how you got how you got good right was was practicing that way and um i think the same thing happened for me and happens for anybody who wants to build star trek starships is you should you know it's it's really fun to make your own stuff and that's what i like to do the most is to create something new but you learn a lot 
by recreating the canon things um and you know and this is if you want we can kind of sort of segue this into the enterprise f um because you find all these little details that you don't notice and the only way you can notice them is if you're examining the ship you know sort of uh meter by meter uh because you have to rebuild it and you want to rebuild it faithfully and so to do that you have to notice the details and when you notice those details then you can file all of that stuff away and when it's time to make your own ship you remember like oh well i here are all the things i need to include if i want it to be you know to look like it belongs next to you know the galaxy class or the intrepid class or the sovereign class or whatever so it's a very you know anybody out there who's a a 3d artist and they want to they have an ambition of of contributing to star trek or or even just becoming you know working on video games or whatever you know it doing uh any any artist will tell you that like part of building your skill set isn't just making something you think is cool it's it's building stuff from reference because that's how you get the the vocabulary that you need to so that the things that you create yourself that are original have that um veracity or authenticity that makes them that everybody stops and sees oh that that's totally that totally fits that totally makes sense okay. and then so let's 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 talk about the ship of the uh the ship of the the what's well, gonna be the ship of the year really isn't it <laughs> um, so we you know the trailer drops for season three of picard and you know perhaps i know i know there was a lot of discussion uh in season two between uh very 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 learned people and by that i mean me and my friends going <laughs> uh well hang on They've reached out to Star Trek Online. What does Star Trek Online have that we all want? They mm -hmm. have an Enterprise. We're going to see the Enterprise. So did you know in that initial thing that, you know, yes, there will be different ships here, but we'll be seeing you next year for the Enterprise F. Did you uh, how no, early No, on? I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know. Um, no, we gave them that initial fleet. Um, the, the Odyssey at that time was... Um, something we sort of considered but it, the model was too old um the model i think the last time i touched it was in 2016 um and so you know that was uh i guess four years at that point uh or five years old at that point um and just in the very low detail compared to any of the new stuff we were making it just wouldn't i i just couldn't give it to them because it wouldn't you know be a good representation of what we could do um and uh so so no it wasn't in the initial round and then you know and then so the initial like season two comes out and it's great everybody's super excited and then we there was another you know they started talking about here's some other stuff that we want for season three and so i give them a couple other there there is a um in one of the i think the first trailers there's an alien ship that shows up um it's like a it looks like a little bug buggy kind of ship that yes. actually is from star trek online that's the alachi frigate it is not being used as that that was just sort of a uh hey what kind of cool alien ships do you guys have that we can use uh for this purpose you know very vague like you know marauders pirates that kind of thing um and so uh so we gave them that ship they ended up using it but it's not going the alachi will not be in picard season three um but you know when 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 an official sh like show asks you hey 
do you guys have any ships for us? Like you don't, you're not going to split hairs. <laughs> like it's like, oh, well, we have all these yes, ships, yes, but I unless do. you yeah. use the Alachi, you can't use this, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. sorry, no, no, I just can't let you use right. that. No, no, no. Right. All right, we'll go somewhere else then. No, come back. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and uh, and then so, um, and I, I don't know. I mean, I I don't really know much about the, uh, and I don't want to talk too in depth about it because you know it's not out yet so i don't yep. necessarily want to accidentally give out any spoilers not that i really know much but um uh but essentially like uh it was um right around uh star trek mission chicago and i'm actually getting ready i think i'm on the i'm in the airport getting ready to go to mission chicago or something and um and i get an email from from dave and he's like, hey, can you send me the Enterprise app? <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and that's pretty much like like all it said, you know, like and it didn't really have any. And I'm like, I uh, I mean, no, I can't because it's like an old model. You guys can't use it. Uh, but I will if you can give me some time. And so I basically was like, give me three weeks. I will build you a new Enterprise F model because, you know, whatever, like whatever it takes um to get that thing in the show i'm gonna do it right and and um and thankfully they were willing to do that and they actually had to uh i think actually it actually cost them some money um to wait for that model because they had to re-intake they had already done i think it might have been one of the test models they sent them was the odyssey class so they had it but then they had to re-intake it with their vendors when I gave them the new model, which, you know, anything you're doing in a production like that costs money, right? Thousands yeah. of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars to do anything, make any change. Um, so it's, you know, it's another another point of luck that they were willing to, A, wait um, for me to rebuild it. Um, they could have said, oh, well, we'll just, you know, we could, we have all these other models. We'll just use it. Just, we won't use the enterprise, right? They could have easily said that or, or they said, oh, we'll just use the enterprise E instead or something, but they, they're willing to wait out for the enterprise F and, um, and then, uh, and then they're willing to, to spend the money to, to re-intake it after I had delivered the new one. But, you know, it was just essentially at that point, that's where the, uh, you know, we talk about the luck side of the equation and then that's where the hard work side of the equation comes in because yeah. for the next three weeks, I essentially worked um, uh, double time at least to get that model ready because it's really the model I built them was at least a six or seven week job. Like the, the, all the detail that I put in and the, you know, and I had to make new materials, like everything was from scratch for that model. And, um, and even then, uh, I didn't have time to actually build a, or, and so some of it's ex expertise. I just don't, I've never built a model for film, before, you know, TV before. Um, so there are certain things that I did that, that probably weren't correct. So for some close-up shots, I know they actually, I think it is largely my model. I think for some close-up shots, they said they, they edited some things. They might've cut in windows, added some more detail and stuff, but um but yeah so i just you know when, when i knew that they needed it it just that became my life uh until i had the model done because i wanted to make sure that uh that they got it and that it showed up in the show and then i did not know that it was going to be in that trailer and so um so you know like i think uh my friend uh my good friend amy was at new york comic-con and she's like oh my god did you see this did you see this i'm like what no oh <laughs> like, holy crap 
uh it shows up in the trailer and everybody sort of loses their minds and uh you know i thought we were gonna i thought we were gonna just have to wait until it shows up in the show before we could even talk about it but uh, you know it's been great uh it's been very exciting to see it in the trailer and have people get really excited and hyped to see the the enterprise f in in the show I think I I don't think it'd be an exaggeration if I was to say that the inclusion it's a great it's a good trailer anyway, but the inclusion of the Enterprise F has dialed people's expectations and excitement up even more. If we get one second of the Enterprise F, I'll still be excited that it's there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and then we should you know I think as far as expectations go, I mean I think it's it's pretty clear from all the trailers that the Titan is the you know the Titan A is the star of the show, right? Um, and that's going to be, I think, the anchor of the of the show. Um, but uh, but yeah, just having the Enterprise in there uh, is is fantastic. I mean, you know, everybody loves the Enterprise. It's the important, you know, it's the 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 hero ships of hero ships, and to to have ours show up canonized like this, it just means so much to me personally. You know, um, Adam Isle, the guy who designed the um, the fan submission, you know, that's a whole other road. We didn't even go down in sort of the design history of the Enterprise F. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, Adam Isle was the, the fan who submitted the design of the contest to Cryptic. Um, his like dual neck design, uh, was really interesting and really set it apart from the rest of the entries. And, and then from there, um, uh, when we picked Adam's design, then it was up to Adam Williams, who was a cryptic, you know, Star Trek Online uh, ship artist at the time. Uh, he took that design. He really brought up his, a lot of his own sensibilities into it. He really, he, you know, he stretched it out. He really tried to make it feel like a evolution of the Sovereign. And he worked with uh, Jeremy Matson, our art lead at the time. And I got to be actually a fly of the wall in that process. And I, I contributed a few things to the design at that early stage, which was a lot of fun. Um, and then uh, like, I still have the sketches I made of like the Aquarius, the idea of like a little ship that could dock in the back. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, from, from there, um, the, from that original model that Adam Williams did, then I remastered it in, uh, 2016 and then then the total rebuild for picard um and it'll be coming the rebuild will be coming to sto um i'm probably going to wait to actually put it in the game until after picard comes out because i want to make sure that that's the that's sort of the big fanfare that we don't really you know steal their thunder too much um by showing the ship <laughs> in all its glory before you see it on screen so we'll, um, but we'll be ready. We'll we'll do it once it's it's uh it, you know it's out in the show. I can just imagine. Say that say you did launch it like this month in Star Trek Online. Uh the producers of Picard are like, right, right. Well, you see it'll happen. And then all of the scenes that were meant to be the Enterprise F in the show are going to be a really <laughs> bad copy and paste of like you know Enterprise B or something. It's like right now you've lost it. Yes, we're in the show and now you're gone. Right. <laughs> um. That that design process because obviously um so there's a couple of versions of the enterprise f there's the one that is now in the trailer so i i call that the first version uh say mm -hmm. the first configuration because i know there's the, also then the redesign where the nacelles switch up is this the mm -hmm. remaster you mean from 2016 is this this version so the yeah so i mean another way to look at those two versions is um the odyssey class that's the mm -hmm. original uh, Adam Isle, Adam Williams design, and then the Yorktown class, uh, which is what I designed. And so the Yorktown class is meant to be essentially 
what the motion picture refit it was to the TOS Constitution, right? Gotcha. Essentially, there's a there's a storyline in Star Trek in Estia where um, there's this big war, the Enterprise is a part of the battle and gets essentially not destroyed but severely damaged. And so we wanted <clears throat> our own sort of motion picture arc for the Enterprise F, where it uh, it goes in for a big refit and it changes up. And then it goes from, uh, you know, there's a gameplay element to this too, where it goes from a, a tier five ship to a tier six ship. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, but but the, the, the version that appears in um, Picard is the original Odyssey class design. Um, I, I tweaked it here and there, but essentially it's, it was important to me that 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 sh that version was the, you know, the version that 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 fans helped design and vote on that uh, um, that carried the game, the the box art, you know, a lot of this stuff for many years. The Odyssey really was the face of STO for a long time, and so uh, I wanted to do that version to honor that that legacy um, for for it to when it appeared in Picard. And also, I suppose, and it works in uh, perhaps beta canon as well, but in continuity, because the comic prequel to mm -hmm. season one of Picard contains the USS Verity, which, of course, is Odyssey class. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and that's um, actually that was a um, that was a fun process. We worked with IDW to make that happen because um, we had a you know, they were working in the Picard countdown comic and they were like, hey, we need a ship for Picard. Um, and uh and they gave you know a few parameters, and so just like I did with the show, I with IDW, I put together a little diagram of like here's six possible ships that you guys could use that could sort of fit these criteria, <clears throat> and then they you know they decided to go with the Odyssey class, which is great for us because that's like I said was has been the face of Star Trek Online for a very long time, and um, you know I think the rest is history. You know the the Verity made a lot of waves when it showed up in those comics and uh and there's a, a bit of a blooper uh which is my fault when i rendered out the reference images for the artist um i used the U the odyssey uss odyssey's registry number which i think is just like ncc and you know nine seven zero 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 or something um and that's what ended up in the comic but it really for the verity it should have been like oh one or oh two or something it shouldn't have been the odyssey's registry number and so that'll There'll be a regret I carry with me to my grave. <laughs> uh, and rightly so. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's actually because I think, is it on your, is it on your portfolio site? And there's the video, um, I know it's a link from YouTube about the, and I know that makes sense to me. Someone says, well, the Verity is the Odyssey and the Odyssey is the Verity. So mm -hmm. oh, that makes sense. That's all right. Just, you know, they did a name change. There was some sort of legal reason. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was one of the fun, you know, I mentioned writing lore before. And one of the things I had to do when we did that was come up with a whole uh pretty convoluted reason why you see the odyssey class essentially 20 years before it shows up in in star trek online and so mm -hmm. i i did i mean i essentially was like oh well this is you know they actually starfleet worked on the odyssey for a while after the dominion war and then um uh used you know built the odyssey and the verity and then when um when Starfleet decided not to help the Romulans, like they just sort of put those ships aside, like we don't need these anymore, and then uh, and then put them out of mothballs when um, things heat up in the early 
part of Star Trek Online storyline where, you know, the, the Federation starts fighting the Klingons and the Undine and all these things like, oh, we need this giant <laughs> capital ship. We're going to need this now. So they pull it back out and recommission it as the Enterprise and everything. And so now for Picard season three, we're going to have to, I think, massage that canon and retcon that a bit more to explain like, oh, well, it actually Enterprise was actually flying around um in the 20 you know in uh, about 10 years before sto so there's always you know there's always little pieces you have to pick up i call it uh janitorial world building <laughs> <laughs> i love that i thought like it's kind of like you know where you're sitting there with a pen in one hand and a dustpan and a brush in the other right. yeah, it's like, it's fine, <laughs> exactly it's fine, it's fine. um then i mean like, i know we, we've we've touched on this obviously but what was the feeling in the office when you know it's not just the fact that we're fans and we love the Enterprise. And it's not just the fact that you've got to build the Enterprise well. Like, this is going to be, you know, 20, 30, 40 years from now, hopefully people will be talking about, do you remember when the Enterprise F debuted in Star Trek? What does that feel like? I mean, you're responsible for this. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, like, <laughs> it's super, I got really emotional, you know, like seeing it um, on screen like that. And, and, thinking that i like it it's funny it's like well what do i do with myself now <laughs> <laughs> like this is this has been sort of a dare to dream kind of goal for me for for a decade you know like how do we how do we make um sto ships canon and how do we how could we even make the enterprise f canon um and and we didn't make that happen right we owe all of that to to dave and terry Madalis and and the people at picard who are willing to work with us um and and John Van Sitters, I want to throw him out there too, because he was the one who came up with the idea for the you know design the next Enterprise contest uh, back in I guess it was 2011, or maybe we started the contest in 2010. But it, but essentially, anyway, he's um you know he's um I think he's vice president of franchise development now or something at Paramount. But um but he's been with Star Trek that whole that whole time and longer, um and and all these people who care about Star Trek, they care about making the universe feel connected which is very important i mean that's one of the big strengths of the other star franchise right is you know you go play jedi fallen order and then when you see uh that bd droid in uh boba fett you're like ah, oh! you know it's the leo dicaprio meme right you're you're pointing your finger <laughs> you're like ah. oh yeah, um, yeah. Uh, there he is right and it just makes the world it rewards you for doing both. It rewards you for playing the game and rewards you for watching the show. You feel good about both those things. It makes the universe bigger. Um, it makes it feel like a place. And that's, I think is the, maybe the most underappreciated part of building a franchise like Star Trek. And I, you know, it's something that um, I talk about whenever I can. And, and it's something that I think Star Trek could be doing more of um, is, tying things together like visual continuity it's not you know like we can talk about story continuity which is great but visual continuity in a visual medium you can't get away from the fact that that's important you can't like they hired the same actor who is in iron man one to show up in spider-man far from home as a callback you know and it's like this it's the universe is so connected it feels like a place that you can ex escape to. It feels like a place you can explore, um, and that is that is so important for these these franchises, uh, these science fiction franchises, where you know we're invested. We're we're invested for years of our lives 
and uh, and get really excited about talking about them, analyzing them. And the more that you, the more all of that can hang together, um, it it really amplifies the experience and makes it rewarding and fun and exciting and interesting. Um, and uh, you know, and we're we're very grateful to be a part of that for Star Trek. I think it's I think it's wonderful. Um, it's uh, you know, as purely as a fan, you know, I I, I do the Leo moment every week. You know, it's like oh, this is brilliant <laughs> and that's brilliant. Um, to, I, I name and shame myself again. I missed the the USS Van Sitters, which of course just showed up in Star Trek Lower Decks. Um, yeah, I was, I was like, oh, that's amazing. But that is wonderful. I do love that there does seem to be a reward for hard work that goes into putting these shows together, putting Star Trek Online together, and then for people, as you said, for people for sticking with the franchise this whole time. Um, it's a it's it's a good time to be a Trekkie. I think mm-hmm. uh, I do. I do agree with you. I think we could go for that. I mean, like, I think, you know, let's, you know, I think the poor Kelvin universe is kind of out there in a bit of a bubble at the right. moment. And we'd love to kind of throw a rope around it and bring it in. I know they tried <laughs> to do that a little bit in Discovery, in fairness. So if we can. Yeah, a little bit. And we actually have a mission in SDO where you go to the Kelvin timeline, which is a lot of fun. Lovely. Lovely. It's great. I don't just go just check in and be like, are you OK? How are you? He's all <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, exactly. So as as much as you can answer this question, what's next? You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. That's uh, I think that um, uh, I can't say anything for for TV, the TV series. I don't know. Um, I, you know, I would love for STO ships to show up in, or in Prodigy and Lower Decks, but I, I don't know if that's going to happen you know we're we'll definitely uh we're looking forward to making adding ships from uh lower decks we're going to be adding more of those ships to sto we're um we're actually looking at talking to idw about some of the stuff they're doing and maybe crossing over with them again um because we've actually done uh we've done a few um uh partnerships with idw you know there was a verity uh, that they put in their comics. They actually use some of Tholian designs for their TOS Year Five comics, and then we they did their Mirror Enterprise Dreadnought. Um, uh, you know, all good things Dreadnought for the Mirror Universe, and we actually were going to bring or we did bring that into Star Trek Online already. So there's been a lot of cross pollination there, and we want to do more of that soon. Um, and uh, yeah, I you know obviously we're chomping at the bit to add more <laughs> more things to to Star Trek on TV, but I'm not sure what the next opportunity for that will be. You know, honestly, uh, the Enterprise is a if if we don't get a chance to do it again, this is a definitely the way to go out. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, absolutely. As as you've said beautifully, like it kind of doesn't get more hero ship than the Enterprise. With the greatest of love to Voyager and to Defiant and all that. I'm a, I'm a DS9 fan, you know, just like. But what do you think when you think Star Trek? You tend to think the Enterprise. Yeah, um, exactly. It's. I mean, they named the show enterprise right when they <laughs> when they didn't want to call it star trek the next most star trek word they could think of was enterprise well that's actually in fairness yeah you're dead right <laughs> yeah um we're going to come to the end and i have a i have a lovely small question for you at the end um but before i get to that i just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me thank you so much for giving us the enterprise f um <laughs> i guess a little bit excited over here um but um the last question I have is something we ask of every guest that comes on because everyone has a different answer. Mm. So what does Star Trek mean to you? Hmm. Um, 
Star Trek to me, I mean, the, the most important version of Star Trek, I think we need it now more than ever is that, um, you know, there's, there's obviously the diversity, you know, that's very important, the optimistic view of the future, but, but no, focusing in more than that, uh, which this is all, I think a part of that is that Star Trek is competency porn, right? It's like people who like each other doing their jobs, who are smart and well-intentioned, you know, like it's, there's not, you know, I think a lot of people rag on the Gene Roddenberry, no conflict rule, but I, one of the things I like about that compared to a lot of TV storytelling nowadays is that it, it created this aspirational environment that growing up, I think influenced me a lot as a kid of like, Oh, here's, here are just some adults who trust each other and are doing their best, you know, and they're also really smart. And like, that is three things that if there was more of that in the world, I mean, I think the world would be a much, much better place. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think, uh, I just want to, I just want to leave it there. I think that is a really, really important part of Star Trek, what makes Star Trek special. And, um, and uh, it meant a lot to me as a kid and I think it was very formational on how I behave, you know, in my career and how I relate to other people. I love that. I think that's a, I, I, I've, it's a perfect description. I've never heard competency porn used to describe Trek before, but you're absolutely right. I love <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I know I stole that from the internet somewhere. I don't know who came up with it, but it, when, I, when I when I heard it, it really rang a, rang a chord for me. Oh, it's it, it's brilliant because yeah, now I just write that's it. What are the two words you think of when you think of Star Trek? And everybody like Enterprise. No, no competency porn. Uh, <laughs> Thomas, thank you, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for just as a fan. Thank you so much for all your work that you've done for the franchise that you've done for STO. I mean, like I could spend a week just asking you questions about all of the different parts that go into that, but. Thank you so much. Now, when the Rabbit fans wanted to send on you and tell you how great a job you're doing, where can people find you? Well, for now, you can still find me on Twitter at uh, at Thomas the Chat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm also um, I'm also on Instagram. Uh, that's Thomas dot um, uh, Just my first and last name with a little period between. Um, that's going to be you know I don't use that quite as much, um, and that's that's some personal you know my personal instagram life too but uh, i do post chips there um and i think those are the two main places right now uh, there's also my art station just artstation.com slash thomas maroney where i uh upload uh 3d models of my ships occasionally so uh yeah those are the the three places i guess in this uh coming soon post twitter world <laughs> we'll see uh, we'll see i don't want to you know i don't want to speak too soon but it's uh it's looking a little dicey these days there's a little bit uh, yeah, to, to everyone <laughs> listening. However, you found us, let us know. You know, well, let us know. someone's going. What's Twitter? <laughs> um, that is everything for our episode this week, folks. Thank you so much for listening along. Um, you are all wonderful and awesome, and we will, of course, be back again next week. Thank you once again to the lovely Thomas Moroni, who is just a legend and just wonderful. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And and I, I do want to say, you know, I'll wax poetic one more time. Um, uh, you know, it it is a lot of hard work doing all this stuff and making all this stuff. And and a major, uh, it really puts your wind in their sails to see people react the way people have about the Enterprise F and about all the ships in Picard and and just the excitement. You know, it's it's a it's great for the game and it's a it's an accomplishment for the game. But I think 
everybody who's kept this game alive for 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 13 years is uh it's their accomplishment too right that we that we've been around this long and that i still have a job and, and get to <laughs> make star trek ships right I, we're indebted to the fans and players of sto so so thank you all so much and thank you sean for having me uh, you're you're a lovely you're a gentleman you're very gracious and to everyone who's listening as well you're all brilliant Okay. <laughs> Everyone have a good one. Live long and prosper.